Welcome to Theology in Action. My name is Levi Hightree. I work here at Verse by Verse Fellowship with our senior pastor, Dr. Tony Caffey. Today, we're going to focus on the topic of politics. And as we talk, we'll probably narrow it down into some some more hot button issues, maybe in this specific time. But we'll start out a little bit more broadly. So my, my question initially to you would be, what do you think the balance between being too invested in the political realm of this world is as opposed to being too cut off from that aspect of this world? It's a tricky issue, isn't it, in our day? Because we have probably friends who are way too invested in the political world. And yet we're not uh, pacifists either, like the Amish who live you know, disconnected from the world. That's a perfectly respectable theological position, but it's not my position. There, we are called to live in our world, to be influencers in our world, and politics is part of that. So I, I think what we want to do is we want to uh, see the government as a good thing that God has given us. There's scriptures that speak to that, and you know, we don't want anarchy. We don't want no government or no politics. Uh, but politics, like other things in our world, are uh, in, impacted by the fall. So there's negative political uh, philosophies that are out there that are hurtful and that are not Christian, not God-fearing. And to the extent that we can as Christians, we want to, to impact them positively. So there's a lot to unpack there, but I would just say, you know, what we want to avoid is the extreme of a pacifism that would cut ourselves off from our culture and from politics and government. And we want to avoid the extreme as well of being so invested in politics that we let the tail wag the dog, so to speak, and we're not staying anchored to our faith and to our Lord. That's maybe a mediating position between those two. So how would you suggest or pastor or coach someone that might be leaning maybe, we'll say the perspective too political first, how would you bring them back to that more balance? Well, I I guess it depends on what they're doing. If they're a senator for the state of Texas, that's one thing. That's their vocation. But I think what you're getting at is maybe somebody who is obsessively uh, following and uh, attracted to political engagement, maybe in a way that drifts too far from their Christian convictions. Is that kind of what you're getting at there? Yeah, I, I... I mean, that's a danger for all of us. And it's not just politics. It can be sports. You know, I've had my affections gravitate towards sports to a place that was negative and I had I was convicted about it. So I, I think one, just if I can speak practically for a moment, you know, we want to anchor our days and our time and our energy in the Lord and in the scriptures. And so what I would encourage people to do if I'm coaching is find the, the best part of your day the, the part of the day that you're the freshest, that you're the most engaged, for me that's morning, as I'm a morning person, and, and you know spend time with the Lord, spend time in prayer, spend time in His Word, and let that set the tone for everything else that you do. Your vocational work, whether you're an engineer or a teacher or a pastor, um, your interests, whether that be sports or politics or, or even the investment with uh, your children and what you're doing with them, uh, and let let your time with the Lord color and and set the tone for everything else that you do, so that you know when there is um, 
conversational engagement with politics or when you are, you know, getting up to date with what's going on in the news, all of that's being filtered through your, your anchorage in the Lord. And just some bad habits that can develop over time. You know, we, you know, I can go home from a long day at work and spend six hours at night watching TV or watching sports. Or some people, maybe if they have a political uh, bent, you know, they're spending six hours a night watching Fox News or CNN. I don't think that's the best use of your time and can really break down that tone that you're trying to set with time in the Lord. And it be can become an obsession. So that's just maybe some uh, some things to watch so that your your heart is not uh, overindulgent with these interests and letting, again, the tail wag the dog. You want your, your heart to be centered on the Lord, on his word, and let that inform the way that you're engaged politically with these things. Let's flip the coin over. Let's look at the other side. If, yeah. you, if you feel someone is too far removed from that, yeah. what would, how would you guide that? So I'm an American, so I'll speak as an American. We don't live in the Roman Empire, but even in the Roman Empire, there were certain biblical standards that Paul gives us and Peter gives us. And, you know, we live in a government. And, and what's amazing about America is we have this constitutional democracy, this republic. That's amazing. We can influence and we can vote and we can uh, have a role in the public sphere uh, for things like policy, for things that even have, you know, a moral impact upon our community. So let's let's just go straight to the most hot button topic. You know, let's go to abortion. You know, that's something that's certainly divisive in our country. But we as Christians have convictions about these matters. We see a paradigm in Scripture that says that, um, you know, life starts at conception and not at birth. And so we can advocate in a way that uh, protects lives and, and honors the Lord and implements God-fearing policies in our country. To the extent that we can do that, we, we should, and we should pray for that. We should pray for our political leaders to uh, pursue that. And we can even celebrate the most recent things that have happened in our country in terms of the reversal of Roe versus Wade. I praise God for that. And I know that Christians uh, have spent a lot of time praying and, and advocating and and uh, pursuing that. And and praise God, that's that's something that uh, we've been able to, to accomplish that we couldn't if we were totally disengaged or if we were kind of adopting a pacifistic approach that removed us completely from political engagement. Yeah. You brought up uh, Roe versus Wade and abortion, yeah. and that kind of brings up an interesting thought. Say, as a, a fellow Christian, if there is something voted into law that I disagree with, yeah. what do I, what do I, on the broad term, we might dial that in a little more, but on the broad term, what do I, what do I do with that if I just disagree with it? Well, that's going to always happen, I think, um, in our, in the world that we live in. Um, and there's no perfect government. I think Winston Churchill said that democracy is the worst form of government in the world, except for all the rest. You know, yeah. there's, it's just a part of our broken world right now that, um, you know, 50 years ago, the fight was uh, for abortion, against abortion and for abortion on the other side. And some of the uh, sexuality and marriage issues weren't even 
a matter of consideration. Now it's totally flipped so that our generation is dealing with a new set of circumstances and seeing some, some victories, but also seeing you know, our Christian worldview world being um, you know, uh, battled against by, by our government and some political authorities right now. So I think most practically we have to be uh, prayer warriors in terms of what uh, you know. First Timothy two talks about in terms of praying for our governments for those who are in authority, and uh, we need to be also uh, informed about what's happening in our world and not just you know hiding under a rock or pretending like these things aren't really taking place. We can um, we can be intelligent, hopefully. Uh, communicators and dialogue partners for explaining why we hold to the things that we do in terms of marriage, in terms of sexuality, in terms of, um, you know, the sanctity of human life and other matters as well. So, uh, and then that takes some work. And that that's, I, I think, to go back to your previous question, that can be absorbing, that can be kind of overwhelming. And so we have to be careful not to let that absorb so much of our time that we, we, uh, lose our anchorage in the Lord and then also in the specific things that he's called us to do. You know, if we're so invested in politics that we forget our family, that's not good. If we're so invested in in political engagement that we're not invested in our local churches and discipling uh, saints within the church, then that's a that's a fail. So a good balance between those is healthy for the Christian. Seems like a relatively simple question, but it it it's on my mind to ask, why is it important to keep that healthy balance? You know, Augustine would talk about the nature of our loves and having them properly ordered. So uh, we have our love for the Lord, and then we have our, the love for our spouse, our family, and then we have the love for our vocation and our work, and you might add to that, our love for our country. And having that properly ordered is correct, but when you love your wife or your children more than you love God, everything's out of order and you become compromised. Or if your love for your country is greater than your love for your, your church community or your family or your, your, your Lord, then that breaks down as well, uh, you know, the, your spiritual health. So having, having your world properly ordered where you prioritize the Lord, and second to that, you're, you're prioritizing your family, third to that, you're prioritizing your vocation and your church and your involvement there, and then below that is your country as well, your love for the country. Uh, keeping things in balance in the proper order and knowing what uh, should have the most focus over the other things is, is important to your spiritual health. So, and that, that takes constant you know, analysis and, and you might need some feedbacks from some friends who would say, you know what, you're just a little too amped up about what's going on politically right now. Maybe you should dial that down and focus more on your investment in the church and your investment in your family. Uh, that I've had friends who've had to talk to me and have tough conversations about that from time to time when things get out of order. Would you say there is a line that a Christian needs to draw in the sand of things being voted into office that might push up against their Christianity or their moral compass and beliefs where they need to draw the line in the sand? And if so, where would that line be? Yeah, that's a good question. I, you know, I run across this all the time as a pastor because you're preaching 
and the accusation will come, are you politicizing the pulpit if you're preaching against abortion or if you're preaching against, you know, homosexual marriage, which was a was a big issue five years ago, still continues to be. Um, so my argument would be, I'll just speak from a preacher's perspective. You know, these are uh, moral issues before they're political issues. So people will, you know, fault the church for you know, preaching what they consider to be politics. Well, before those things are politics, they're moral issues. The sanctity of of human life is is a biblical issue. So, and I'm not looking to preach on a abortion every week because, you know, the Bible doesn't only speak to that issue. But where it comes up, if you're preaching through the Ten Commandments, if you're, you know, preaching through, uh, let's say, Romans 1 and this spiral downwards where you have increasing levels of, of depravity uh, manifesting themselves in our country. I mean, if you're preaching through Romans and you don't address homosexuality in Romans 1, you're just being unfaithful to, to your task. So uh, I think it, properly in context, dealing with those things, not letting them become obsessions or the only things that you address, but but not falling into the trap too of, of you know, people saying, oh, you're, you're just dealing with political issues. You're just addressing hot button issues. That's, you know, I, I refuse to, to fall into that trap or to be labeled that way because those are moral issues. And, and as a Christian, I want to advocate for those things that are pleasing to the Lord and advocate for those things that I believe too are, are best for human flourishing. It's best for, for humanity for us to not abort babies in the womb and for us to not advocate for homosexual marriage. And also, you know, the other issues as they come up that uh, maybe are less hot button, but still have an impact upon our culture and our world. So, yeah, there's, there's again, to go back to what I said earlier, you know, some people are going to be more invested in this because that'll be their work or they'll, you know, if they're a senator for the state of Texas or um, somebody who's invested in politics, they've got to eat, sleep and drink these things. Uh, more so than we do, uh, who maybe aren't as as involved in that vocationally, but but still, you know, having having your affections ordered rightly, having God as kind of the central um, uh, conscious, the thing that's informing your conscience more than anything else is is important. That'll help you to navigate some of these other spaces where where we need God's input on how we think on these other matters. Yeah, we've touched on it a few times. How, what is your biblical stance on abortion? How do you defend your your stance <laughs> on that? Yeah, well, it's it's pretty easy actually. When you look at scripture, you know I've heard different Christians say things like, "Well, abortion's a a, a tricky issue or a complicated issue for a Christian." It's not really at all. Uh, we have passages in the Old Testament that speak about being knit together in our mother's womb, Psalm 139, Jeremiah talks about that in Jeremiah 1. Um, you know, Job talks about that even, that uh, the pre-birth person is indeed a person, not a lump of cells or or anything like that. And, um, and so the defense of the unborn is really basically the, the, you know, the Ten Commandments in action, thou shall not murder. If this is an, indeed a person, which I believe it is, in the womb, a preborn person, 
then why would you advocate for or uh, tolerate or vote for, if it ever comes down to voting, an action that would endorse murder? It's pretty clear cut to me. Yeah. Uh, another big hot button issue yeah. going on in the world and is primarily, I suppose, in America uh, at this point in time is gun control laws. Yeah. You hear a lot of conversation about, well, if they vote that I'm not allowed to keep this gun, they aren't allowed to take that. On a Christian perspective, are we to obey the law there? The I hear some people defend that by saying, well, if they take that step, then they're going to start infringing on our Christian beliefs and that I have to stand on. So kind of how do we navigate that? Yeah, that's definitely more of a gray area. There's no, you know, thou shalt own guns and yeah. shalt not own guns in uh, the Old Testament or in the New Testament. Um, we do have, uh, I think, patterns of, of the way in which God wants to operate in this world. Uh, the legal, illegal thing in America is basically derived from our constitution. We do have a constitutional right to bear arms, and that's significant. That Historically, that was significant because uh, there was a certain amount of freedom and responsibility that was given to us as citizens to, to be law-abiding members of, of our, our government. In that gray space, I think we need to be cautious as Christians by to come down too hard or too strong one way or another. Would you say that our, our innate duty biblically there would be to obey the law first if they did were to vote them of their illegal, just taking it to the extreme of all guns are illegal, our responsibility as a Christian is to obey that law, even if we don't like it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I... You know, I would have a guilty conscience at that point, and protecting my innocent conscience is really, really important to yeah. me. So, I, I mean, my wife is from a country that has strong gun control regulations, and if I chose to live there, I would have to abide by that policy. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't see that happening anytime soon in America. There's, uh, it's pretty hard to overturn a constitutional precedent, but, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Yeah. Kind of piggybacking off of that thought, um, mm -hmm. in that in that vein, what is a Christian's role in as far as submitting to government, and where yeah. is there a point that that does stop? Sure. So we have Romans thirteen, which is you know just stop and read it. Sometime you just think like, wow, Paul called the church in that day with a very evil Roman emperor at that time, he called the church to submit to the extent that they can, and even talked about the, the, the capital punishment that's administered by that governmental entity. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty stark for us uh, as Americans, you know, 2,000 years removed from that. So, I mean, we do need to cross cultures. So we don't live in a Roman emperor, empire. We don't have a Roman emperor. We have a, a constitution. We have a, a republic. Uh, we have a democratic process here, which is different. So we are the people of the United States of America. Um, so I think we still are called to obey to the extent that it doesn't violate our Christian convictions or our Christian, you know, injunctions. Um, and, and even in the first 
century world, you know, Peter and John would say, we must obey God and not men. When the Jewish leaders told them to stop proselytizing, they're like, sorry, we can't do that. So that, that, that is true in our day as well. There are times where we've got to say as Christians, no, we must obey God, not men, not our government authorities. There are times when children, if they're being asked by their parents to do something that's immoral, will say we must obey God and not men, even though we want to submit to your authority. Same with a wife to her husband or an employee to an employer. Uh, we can still value the, the structures that God has put in place, governments, families, churches, while at the same time, when when the rubber meets the road of, of something that's violated in terms of God's ultimate command for us, uh, we can say respectfully, uh, no government entity, you're telling us that we have to do such and such, but God has told me to do this, and so I'm going to do this. And this, I mean, this is not strictly hypothetical. We dealt with this, didn't we, when we went through the COVID era and we had churches shut down. Um, initially, as we saw this this influx of, of COVID-19, something very scary, we saw the government act in our best interests, uh, or so they thought, so we thought, um, for us to not meet, to not spread the virus, uh, that precedent was part of even historically uh, the church, you know, during World War II and, and times where churches couldn't meet because it was a threat to the people who were meeting. Um, but then we do have this command in Hebrews to meet, to not forsake the gathering of the believers. And so that's where there, there was this rub. And I think the way that I navigated that and we as elders had to discern that is we're trying to respect the government as best we can. We're trying to honor them. But if their expectation of us gets to a place where where our conscience is pricked and we're not able to do what God has called us to do, we must obey God rather than men. And there, there were some times where we actually met technically illegally because uh, we saw that as the uh, the lesser of two evils, you might say, disobeying the government versus disobeying God, which is something that Bonhoeffer would write about. You know, which is the worst thing to disobey the government or to disobey God? And and we want to obey God or disobey the government would be the lesser of those two evils. Another way to frame it is to think of it as what's what's the greater good? What's the greater of two goods? It's good to obey the government. That's good. But it's even gooder, can I say that? <laughs> Better to obey God. And so obeying the government would be good, but we want to do the the, the greater of the two goods, which is obey God. So when those situations come and there's a rub, thinking that through and, and um, you know, being on the side of the Lord versus the government, if it does come to that, is what we've got to choose. And there's a lot of issues involved in that, I know. And, and maybe sometimes people have a conscience that's overly sensitive in ways that it doesn't need to be. Uh, and so we need to go back to the scriptures to let them inform us to what what is ultimately an injunction from the scripture and, instead of just maybe a, an implication that we're deriving from scripture. That takes time, that takes timor, takes energy, that takes study. So, yeah. So we've covered a lot uh, today on, in the realm of political and a lot of heavy, heady thought processing things. Yeah. What are some... If you if you could dial this into some practical steps and here's how you put it into play in yes. your life, give them to us. I love talking practically. You bet. And the 
So Charles Spurgeon would say this. I think Spurgeon said this, but, you know, whenever a pastor's backed into a corner, they just kind of say Spurgeon said such and such. So if it wasn't Spurgeon, then it was somebody. Um, He talked about, you know, having the Bible in one hand and having the newspaper in the other hand and being conversant and able to exegete both the scriptures and your own culture. And I I think that's wise uh, so that uh, we can be ambassadors for Christ in our community. So practically how this works for me is, is setting the tone of my day in God's word, spending time with the Lord, spending time in prayer for myself, my own uh, family, my own church, my own country. And then uh, on top of that, what I like to do is, is just listen to a few selective podcasts that help me stay informed with what's going on in the world. So I listen to Al Mohler's The Briefing. Uh, I listen to The World and Everything in It because I want uh, to know what's going on in our world, in our world, but I want it from a cr- Christian perspective because Fox News and CNN both are sometimes so sensationalized, they're not even helpful. Um, so that, that's how I would encourage people to do it, is, is let uh, your time in the Word inform the rest of your day. Try to find some ways to stay informed, but not obsessed with what's going on in the world. And then pray, pray, pray like crazy. Uh, you know, I remember here when Run Roe versus Wade got reversed that weekend, um, I remember Al Mohler talking about when he was a kid, when that first got instituted and his mom, that very day when that, um, you know, that Supreme Court uh, ruling got publicized, his mom started praying for that 50 years ago for it to be reversed. And he spent his whole childhood and all of his adult life praying and advocating against Roe versus Wade, as did his mom. And his mom died before it was actually reversed. So there's 50 years of prayer that he dedicated him and his mom and countless other Americans. And we see the benefit of that. Not that there's not more to be done. There's a lot more to be done in regards to that issue. But, you know, never underestimate the power of prayer and how that can uh, have an influence on our political situation, on how that can have an influence on, you know, advocating for the Lord as Christians So just practically speaking, spend time with the Lord, make that the most important part of your day, pray like crazy, and then find some other ways to stay informed with what's going on in our world. Great insight. Thank you for your time. Thank you for that insight. That's going to be all for today. If you guys are interested in this type of content, uh, feel free to check out Pastor Tony at bbbf.org. We also do expository teaching, which will be there on the website as well as our Facebook page. We live stream our services every Sunday morning and Wednesday evening we have teachings then as well. If you're interested in content like this in a podcast form, maybe you don't have time to be able to sit down and watch a video, you like to listen while you're doing something else, search Verse by Verse Fellowship on pretty much any podcast format. We should be there. This was Theology in Action. Stay tuned for more content like this.